we turn that to the Lord now. Why don't we just offer him praise that he's due. Jesus, we praise you. We worship your name. We exalt you. We extol you. We adore you. You are worthy of our praise. We've come today to honor you. We've come today to magnify you. And we exalt your name. We exalt your name. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Several people that I know and many people that I do not know. That's a wonderful thing. This place is beautiful. Pastor Hooker has done a great job and his team. But more than a beautiful building, the power and the presence of the Almighty God is in this place today. And where he is, where he is, anything is possible and if anything can happen. I'm so grateful to be back with you and my wife joining me today, Kelly, and good to be with uh, brother and sister Hooker. And she has a gifting, let me tell you, leading us into the, into the presence of Almighty God. We honor them and honor the work that they are doing uh, in the city of Arnold. And God's hand is upon this church. God's eyes are on this city. And God is doing a great thing in this church and in this city. And I believe that he is going to bring revival that we've prayed about for a long time. A great and mighty revival. A great and mighty harvest to this church and to this city. Amen. Psalm chapter 34 and verse 15. I'll just read one scripture in the beginning. I was joking uh, with the pastor and uh, brother Justin and said, I've got a lot of scriptures there. And he said, I can handle it. But just one here this morning, Psalm 34 and 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. I've got a simple word for you today, but God is going to use it, and he's going to encourage people here. And my title is, God sees you. God sees you. He sees where you're at. He sees what you're going through. He sees everything that's happening in your life. He sees you. Would you lift your hands one more time and would you ask the Lord to speak to your life? Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, God, that you have anointed your word. Now I pray that your word would go forth as arrows, piercing every heart that hears your word today. God, that it would be bring change to our lives, that it would encourage people in this place today, that you would do the work that only you can do. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Have you ever talked to somebody and as you're talking to them, they are gazing off or they are looking at somebody else or looking at something else instead of listening to you? We're probably all guilty of that. Oh, but how good it feels when you are talking to somebody and pouring your heart out to somebody and you have their full undivided attention. Side note, all of us should probably make an effort to do that even more. As kids and adults, there are certain faces uh, that you look for, certain people that encourage you. Why? Because they pay attention to you. 
There are several elders in my life that I look for. I can't wait to talk to. I go to them. Why do I do that? Because I know that as I begin to speak to them and as I begin to talk to them and as I begin to tell them what's going on in my life, that they are intently listening to what I have to say. Because they believe in me and because they love me and because they want to see they have my best interest in mind. One of the greatest miracles in life is that the God of all the universe pays attention to us. God instructed his priests to bless Israel in this way. There's a song that was wrote after these verses called The Blessing in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. It says, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. The message says it like this. God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. You see, to turn uh, your face is not a casual listening of a preoccupied mind. It is an undivided, wholehearted attention. I'm fully devoted to being with you. As God turns his face towards you, he's saying, I'm fully devoted to being with you. You have my undivided attention. Over and over, the psalmist says, God, don't hide your face from me. God, don't hide your face from me. God's face does not turn to us, just just turn to us, but it is shining on us, a face of delight like that of a proud parent. Our faces grow radiant in the presence of the ones that we love most deeply. In that case, uh, some of those people are my kids. When my kids are around, my face is glowing most of the time. There's some other times there might be a frown. But my, my son Austin, he's a Bible quizzer. And uh, he's going to learn, uh, he's only 50 verses away, I think, from learning 276 verses this year. He's 10 years old. We're excited about that. I'm excited about that. And when he's up at the, the quiz table and he's doing his Bible quizzing thing and he's answering those uh, questions and quoting those scriptures word perfect, there is a, a glow that happens. I can't stop it. I'm proud of him. He makes me proud. Uh, when, I, when I hear him doing those things, he makes me proud. That is how God loves us. When he looks down upon us, there is a glow that happens. His face is shining upon us because we make him proud, because he loves us. Now, Austin, he can get in trouble sometimes. What 10-year-old can't, right? He can get in trouble sometimes, but that doesn't mean that I'm not proud of him. That doesn't mean that I don't love him. I love him no matter what because he's my kid. Let me tell you something. He loves you no matter what because you're his kid. And his face is shining upon you. The Gospel of John 9 and John 9 tells the story of a man that no one paid attention to. He had spent his entire life being ignored. He was simply not worth noticing to most people. To say he was lonely would have been the understatement of a lifetime. He was blind and he was a beggar. People would try to look the other way. So he would try to do something to catch their attention. He would have a bucket and he would say, alms, alms, alms for the poor, trying to get their attention. 
He was used to being ignored. You see, it was what he did for a living. He was just another face in the crowd to so many people that walked by. Think about the people who stand on the side of the highway. How many times are, are at a stoplight or at a stop sign and and South County, we're in South County a lot, and it seems like on every corner there is a beggar on every corner, it seems like. And think about those people. How many times do we just look the other way? How many times do we look down? How many times uh, do we stare straight ahead so that we don't have to make contact with them? That's what people did to this man. They did not want to look him in the face. They did not want to make eye contact with him. I love that in John chapter 9 and verse 1, this is the very first verse in the chapter, the first words in the story are, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. How many years had it been since uh, someone turned his face toward this man. Jesus actually looked at him. He, he saw the hurt and he saw the hopelessness and he saw a life lived in endless night. No one has ever seen like Jesus sees. Jesus saw people that no one else ever saw. He saw a tax collector. He, he saw a woman desperate for healing at the hem of his garment. He, he saw a widow giving the offering. He saw the children uh, that the disciples wanted to usher away. Jesus sees like nobody else sees. Verse 2, it says, and as his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, in... Jesus' day, people believed in cause and effect relationship between suffering and sin. It made them feel better if they could think that a suffering person was suffering because of sin in their life. It made them, it made them feel better that if, if somebody was suffering, I, I don't have to talk to them because they're suffering because there's something that their family did or, or something that they did that caused them to have this illness or this suffering in their life. And when we, when we judge people, we feel less of an obligation to pay attention to them, right? Is that why we don't look at the beggar on the side of the corner? All right, I'll be transparent. It's quiet in here. Sometimes we pull up to that stop sign or that stoplight and we see that beggar holding that sign over there. I'm guilty of this. And we grab our phone and look at that while we're waiting for that light to change. And we're looking over there or having a casual conversation with the person. We haven't talked to, talked to each other the whole time we've been driving, but now we're at that stoplight. We're talking to that person in the passenger seat. Because it's easy for us to look at that person and say, well, they're a drug addict. They're a drunk. If I give them money, they're probably going to spend it on that, right? I'm the only one, I guess. It's easy to ignore people when we judge them. My dad, my dad doesn't do that. My dad always, 
even if he doesn't give him money, he usually will roll down his window and he'll talk to him. And I will say most of the time he does give him money. Um, but, and there's, I'm not going to get off on all of that and what they do. But anyways, he, he always tells me this, and I know you've heard that, but he says that we entertain angels sometimes unaware. And so at that point in time, usually he is not willing to ignore them. He's not willing to judge them because of their lifestyle choices or who they are or what they've done, but simply give them attention, whether it's talking to them or giving them something or buying them a meal, uh, because they are important to him. I said they are important to him. So they put this man, the people and the neighbors and all the people around, put this beggar in that same category and forgot him. They believed that there was a reason that he was blind. Even the disciples who are with Jesus, his own followers, are asking Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? There has to be a reason that he's struggling. There has to be a reason that he was born this way. Jesus said, this man didn't sin and his parents didn't sin. But the reason that he was born this way is so the work of God could be made manifest in him. Would you think about, now I'm getting off my notes, but would you think about that for just a minute? Jesus said it wasn't because he sinned and it wasn't because his parents sinned. But the reason he was born this way is so that I could walk into his life and my power would be made manifest in him. And a lot of times we don't want to go through the struggle and we don't want to go through the pain and we don't understand why we are living like this and why are we are dealing with this thing and why we are suffering. Could it be that the works of God are going to be manifest in your life and everybody around you is going to see the power and the majesty of God Almighty? I'm with you. I don't like going through things in my life. I don't like trials and tribulations. I don't like walking through the fire. There's things my family are going through right now that nobody knows about. We're in the fire right now. Some things. That's transparent. But if God's power is going to be manifest in my life, all of a sudden, it doesn't come just, it's not just about me anymore, but it's about everybody else around me. God, I don't want to go through the suffering, but if you're going to do something in my life, let the power and the majesty and the glory of God be done in my life so everybody else around can see the work of God. Oh, we don't like going through the trial and the tribulation, and I'm with you. But we ought to say, God, I don't like it. I want you to pull me out of it. But I want your glory and your power to be made manifest during this time in my life. You know, Jesus, God sees you. I said, God sees you. He sees what you're going through. He sees what you've been battling with. Think about those three Hebrew boys that were in the fire. We pray, God, save us, save us, save us. God didn't save them from the fire. God saved them in the fire. God didn't prevent them from walking in the furnace, but God saved them while they were in the furnace. Why? So his glory and his power could be made manifest in their life. If they never had to walk inside the fire...
What testimony would there be? I guess you could say, well, God saved them from it. I believe that God does that. But when he puts us in the fire, when you're mature enough in God, he'll put you in the fire sometimes. He'll trust you with the fire, knowing that you have faith. Those Hebrew boys, they, they had faith, let me tell you. They told that king, we're not going to bow. We are not going to bow down. And our God is able to deliver us. And they said, and we believe that he will deliver us. But then they added these words, but if not, he's able to do it. And we believe that he's going to do it. But if he chooses not to do it, we still believe that he's able to do it. And when you have faith like that, and when you have trust in God like that, he says, all right, I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in now, and I'm going to show my glory. I'm going to show my power. So they believed that there was a reason that this man was blind. He was blind. There was reasons that they ignored him. Just some that I wrote down. He was blind and, and that was too depressing. I don't want to go and talk to him because he's blind and, and that's just going to be depressing having to talk to him about that. He was a beggar. That was too demanding. If I go and talk to him, he's going to want something from me. He's going to want money. He was a product of sin, so they thought. And, and that was too disgusting. But John includes in detail that tells us just how ignored this man had been in John 9. John chapter 9 and verse 8, it says, The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, He was. And others said, No, he just looks like him. And after his healing, when he returned to his neighborhood, they asked, they asked this, is this the man who was, who was blind and who sat there and begged? You heard that in the scripture. Some of them said, well, yeah, I, yeah, th that's him. I, I think that's him. And then the other ones looked at him and said, no, that's not him. They're, they're looking at him. They're looking at his face. They're looking at his clay. No, that's not him. He's been begging probably in the same place his whole life. He was blind from birth, but they did not really know what he looked like because they never paid attention to him. They were able just to walk on by him like he was a nobody. They were able just to walk on past him because there was too much going on in his life. But Jesus saw him. I said, Jesus, he, he, he didn't pass by him and ignore him. When Jesus walked by, he didn't look the other way. His eyes were fixed on him. And while his eyes were upon him, he saw his need and he met his need that day. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't turn his face away from you when you were living a life of sin? When you messed up and when you failed, he didn't write you off. He didn't ignore you. He didn't ignore your need. But he fixed his eyes upon you and he met your need. 
it wouldn't have mattered if this, if this blind man had killed somebody or done some horrible thing. That didn't bother Jesus. Jesus was still going to look at him. Jesus' eyes were still going to be on him. Jesus was still going to meet his need. Oh, I've come to preach today that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what path you've walked down. God still sees you. God still loves you. His face is still shining upon you. I think many times we see people on the street or even these people here in John 9, the reason they didn't look on them or wasn't willing to help them it's because they were judgmental. Maybe not just because they were judgmental, but maybe there was something else to that. Maybe it was because they knew that they could not do anything for him. They would drop some change in his bucket without even looking at him, probably. They could walk by, and he's, he's got his bucket out, alms, 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 and, and they could walk by, and they could just drop Drop a, drop a nickel, a dime, whatever it is. Drop their money in that bucket. Not even have to really look at them. Knowing that if they had this conversation with them, that there was nothing that they could really do for him. This, this man needed a miracle. They couldn't fix his problem. His, his blindness was much more than they could handle. They couldn't perform the miracle. They couldn't heal him. But Jesus could. You know, I know this goes to a lot of the men in the congregation today, but we're fixers. We like to fix problems. We like to fix things, right? There's one man here. My wife comes to me with a problem. You can guarantee I got about six solutions. Most times she doesn't want to hear any of them. She just wants to tell me about them. We're fixers. We like to fix things. The bystanders and the neighbors that were in his community did not possess the power to fix him. They did not have the power to meet his need. But Jesus saw that man. He saw his problem, and he knew exactly how to fix it. If you've come today with a need in your life, you don't have to worry about being ignored today. You won't be overlooked and you won't go unnoticed because Jesus is in this place. Full disclosure today, I might have the word of God, but I might not have all the answers. I might not know how to fix all your problems. It's probably too big anyways for me to fix them. It's probably way out of my league, but I've come to preach today that God sees you. God sees you. God sees your struggles. He sees your problems. He sees your pain. He sees, I said, he sees your family situation and what you've gone through. He sees the problem at work. He sees what's going on in your life. He sees the pain and the heartache. He sees that. And he, not only does he see it, but he's come to meet you today. He's come to work in your life today. Jesus saw the man, he saw the problem, and he knew exactly how to fix it. You know, being blind from birth 
We don't know how old this man was. But the Bible tells us that it was from birth. So we can assume that it was probably a pretty, pretty good amount of time. Blind from birth seems like a pretty good amount of time. Some of us have been going through some things that's been a pretty good length of time. We've been praying about things that, that have seen like it's been going on for a long time. Some struggles in our family and our lives that, that have been going on for quite a while. But just because it had been going on for a long time did not stop Jesus from stepping in that day and doing a miracle. I wish somebody could grab a hold of what I'm preaching today. That man had sat there all of his life blind and begging and wanting money. And just in a moment of time, Jesus stepped in and he performed a miracle and changed his life. I don't care how long you've been praying about it, how long you've been struggling, how long your family's been messed up. In just a moment of time, in just a moment of time, Jesus can step on the scene and he can perform a miracle in your life. Would you clap your hands right now if you believe that? Would you shout, I'm ready. Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to see you do it. You know, Austin, me and Austin and my dad went to the farm this weekend. Friday, Saturday, got back yesterday. We got this new side-by-side. -side. And, uh, of course, he's 10 years old and he wants to drive this thing everywhere. He's wearing me out. And so yesterday he's driving this. And I'm just, I just want to rest. I went up there to rest. And he says, Dad, can I ride that? Side by side, and I said, put your seatbelt on. Don't go over 15 miles an hour, and yeah, you can ride it. I didn't tell my wife this yet. She's hearing it for the first time. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Stan. So, you know, he, he, he rides right out there in the field, right in front of the, the cabin there. And, and me and my dad, he's only going to do it for maybe five or ten minutes because we're loading up and we're getting ready to go. And, and he wants to ride this thing before we leave. And I said, yeah, you can just, just ride it out there, seat belt, don't go over 15 miles an hour. And so uh, there's no hills. It's all flat land, by the way. He's not going to tip over or flip it. And uh, so I walk out and I said, Dad, can you get with him and I, I, I've got to go over here on the four-wheeler, and I need you to get with him, and you come and pick me up. He said, okay. And so we walk out there, and the, I'm talking, it's the country. I love it. There's nothing around. Walmart is 45 minutes away. The grocery store is 45 minutes away. Like, we're on the Illinois-Iowa border up there in northern Missouri. There's nothing close by. We're in the middle of nowhere, and we walk out of the cabin, and my dad looks at me, and he said, where's Austin? And I said, and then I panicked for a minute. I didn't talk. She's, she's like, I'm gonna, she's going to kill me after this service. Listen, what seemed to be like five minutes was probably 30 seconds, okay? But in that moment, I thought, I can't hear him, and I can't see him. So where's he at? 
And my dad said, where, where did he go? I said, oh, he's, he's around here. And I'm looking, and, and probably just a few seconds later, here he comes driving up and driving around, and we're waving at him, like, come on over here. We didn't make a big deal about it. My dad didn't make a big deal about it. And, and just for a few seconds there, I was nervous because I couldn't hear him, and I couldn't see him. And as God is speaking to me last week through, this, through the scripture, it says that his eyes are upon the righteous and his ears are opened unto their cry. There's not a time that he doesn't see us. I've got human ears and human eyes, and I can't see and hear all the time. But I've come to preach to somebody today that God always sees you. God always hears you. He always sees what you're going through. He might not step in every single time, but he sees you. Every prayer that you have prayed have always been into his ears because his ears are open unto your cry. There's not a prayer that you've prayed that God has not heard. And if you've been praying for 5, 6, 7, 10, 20 years, you keep on praying. You keep on asking. You keep on knocking because God hears it every single time. This principle we see in our text that the eyes of the Lord are upon us, God sees us, is intertwined all throughout Scripture. Hagar was used to bring descendants to Abraham. After Sarah and Hagar had mistreated each other, Hagar eventually ran away. She was in the wilderness, Genesis 16, 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child and shalt bear a son, shalt call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord, watch this, hath heard thine affliction. He heard the affliction. Verse 13, and she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou, God, seest me. The angel said, you're going to name this boy Ishmael because God heard you. And she said, I'm going to call the name of the Lord. Thou, God, seest me. Why? Because he hears us and he sees us. Psalm 34, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His eyes are open unto their cry. His ears are open unto their cry. 1 Peter 3 and 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. In the Old Testament, uh, God was called Jehovah Jireh, the God who sees. Exodus 2 and 25, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. He saw them. 2 Kings 14 and 26, for the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel. God sees. He sees. Sometimes we think because he doesn't answer, because he doesn't step in, that he doesn't see us. But I've come with this word of encouragement today that no matter what you're going through, God sees you. The story of Job, we see a man who'd suffered great loss. I think it's hard for us to grasp with our, our human frailty what happened to this man. He lost his animals, he lost his servants, and he lost his children. Everything that meant everything to him was gone. Everything that he held dear, everything that made him the blessed man that he was called was gone. I can maybe see losing some animals. A little harder losing some servants. But his own children, his own flesh and blood... 
That was a great loss that cannot be compared. There is no doubt as you read the story, he could not understand why. He was grieving. He, he definitely had his questions. But as you read the book of Job, Job had questions at first. But he became more and more confident as the trial went on that God could actually see him. Job 10 and 4, hast thou eyes of flesh or seest thou as a man seeth? He's saying, I see. Man can only see a certain amount. Man can only see certain, a certain distance, but God sees you. Job 23 and 8, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hides himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Got, Job was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm looking everywhere and I can't see him. But then he says, But he knows the way that I take. In other words, Job's is saying, he sees me. He sees where I'm at. He sees what I'm going through. I may not be able to perceive him. I may not be able to feel him or see him, but he sees me. He says he knows the way that I take. 28 and 10, he cutteth out rivers among the rocks, and his eye seeth every precious thing. 31 and 4, doth not he see my ways and count not all my steps? 20, 34 and 21, for his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. Job was convinced that even in his trials that God's eyes were upon him. God's eyes were upon him. A child of God, even in your trial. I know this is a simple message, and I know that I'm being repetitive, but I want this to get in your spirit today. Even in your trial, and even in your hurt, and even in your heartache, and even in the impossibility, God sees you. Psalm 94 and 9, He that planted the ear shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? Oh, God hears and he sees. First Samuel 16 and 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I've refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Man looks on the outward, the Lord looks on the heart. Isaiah 66 and 2, For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things hath been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look. Even to him that is poor or humble and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Matthew 6 and 6, as the musicians come. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. Some of you have been in that closet and you've been praying. Some of you have been in that closet and you've been praying. You've been interceding year after year after year. The Bible says, and a father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Notice that this God who sees you is moved with compassion. Matthew 9 and 36. It says, but when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion on them. Matthew 14 and 14, Jesus went forth and he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion. Yeah. 
I understand that we are living in a time that seems to be uncharted waters for most of us. Political turmoil and war and racial tension and immorality, rioting, disrespect for leadership, and the list goes on and on and on. But you know, on top of all that, we're all faced with personal things, personal struggles, infirmities, pain, disease in our bodies, trials. Add those lists together and think about that every day. You might just get depressed. But I've come today to remind you through God's word that God's face is turned towards you. He's not gazing off at something else. He's not looking off to some, something else that's going on. His face is turned towards you. And when you speak, that means that when you speak, you have his undivided attention. There's nothing worse. I said it in the beginning. There's nothing worse than talking to somebody that's not listening and not looking at you. You don't ever have to worry about that with God. I know that we can't see him physically. But as you begin to speak those words to him, he is looking at you. His face is turned towards you. And he is hearing every word that you speak. The God of the universe who is unlimited in power, who has no rival, no equal. He commands angel armies. The same God knows your name. He see, think about that. He sees every step that you take. He sees every affliction that you go through. He sees every struggle and every victory. And you can declare just like Hagar declared that day, Thou, God, seest me. Would you stand? You can declare today, Thou, God, seest me. Not only does God see you, but he has moved with compassion toward you. We find that in all throughout the Bible, but specifically with the children of Israel. He said, I've seen their affliction, and I've heard their cry, and I'm going to deliver them. Now, it had been a long time since they were in bondage. It had been a long time. He talked about it today, Pastor did, about our timeline and our time frame. It doesn't always line up with what God wants to do. That beggar was blind from his birth. I'm sure he would have rather have been healed when he was a baby. But nevertheless, God's works was manifest in him. He had to wait a little while, but Jesus saw him. So now when everything seems to be shaking around us, you're faced maybe with fear or anxiety of what is happening in our world or problems with your health, problems with family, problems with your job. You can have this confidence that when you pray, you are praying to a God that sees you. You are praying to a God that hears you. You are praying to a God that has compassion towards you. And the great thing about this God is not only does he see you, not only does he hear you, but he's got the power to change your life. He's got the power to change your situation. 
He's got the power to step in and work the impossible and make it possible. He has the power to perform the miraculous in your life. And I don't know who I'm talking to. There may be only one person in this whole room. I don't know. But I know that when the voice of God speaks to me, that he's speaking to somebody else. And I just have to believe that God is talking to somebody that's been walking through it, that's been going through it, that's been praying, that's been struggling. And he's come with his word today to say, I see you. I see you. I want to open these altars right now. If you wouldn't mind coming up to the front, would you lift your hands and would you say, Thou God seest me. God, you see me. You see what I'm going through. You see the struggle. God, I want your works. I want your power to be made manifest in my life and in this situation. Oh, yes. Would you come to the front? Would you come to the front if you want to Jesus, I love you. God, I've been praying because for a long time. I've been seeking for a long time. But I'm not going to stop. I know that you hear me. You I know that you there. see me. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Because you care. I couldn't imagine if you weren't there. I love 